If it's your first time here, don't worry. If you're one of those people, you're like, every time I visit a church for the first time, they talk about money. I don't know how this happened. It's not going to happen. Woohoo! But we're going to talk about fasting. Oh, no. <laughs> right? Money and food. I mean, what else do we live for? Right? You know? I mean, come on. This, is this really where we're going? So we're going to talk about fasting, but I'm going to strive to talk about fasting, hopefully not from the religious perspective of way the may, the way, maybe the way you've heard about fasting before. Um, and I'll kind of get to that. So let me just kind of get to the verse, and then I'll, I'm going to kind of identify some of the misnomers of fasting, and hopefully that'll help us lay a foundation for this. Are you cool? Are, can we, good? Okay. Luke chapter 5, verses 33 to 35. Jesus um, is approached by some religious leaders not necessarily Christ followers, not Christ followers at all, but they were religious leaders. And they say to him, they say to Jesus, hey, John's disciples often fast and pray. Notice how they put often in there. You feel a little judgment with that? They often fast and pray. Now, how many know what John the Baptist ate? You remember what he ate? Locusts and honey. How many of you, if you're one of John's disciples, would fast quite a bit? Hey, what's for dinner? Locusts. You know what? I'll just go ahead and fast today. <laughs> I'm good. I'll wait till tomorrow on Beetle Tuesday, right? But uh, they said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray. Well, of course they do. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours are eating and drinking. Yeah, because they're hungry. Jesus answered, can you make the guests of the bridegroom fast when he's with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and in those days, they will fast. So here's the context. You know I love the context. Here's the context of the passage. Jesus is going to the house of a sinner. I mean, Scripture says tax collectors and sinners were in this house, and the Pharisees were like, how dare you eat with them? Why would, why would you do this? And Jesus looks at them, and he goes, well, it's not healthy people that need a physician. It's people that are sick. So he was inferring to them, I have a reason for being here. They need what I have to give to them. They need health, and I want to give them that health. So since that didn't work, they tried point two. Since they couldn't just say, why would you eat with these people? Now they've went to the religious side. Well, John's disciples often fast. So do the disciples of the Pharisees. Your people, they eat all the time. What's wrong with these people? Jesus is like, the friends of the bridegroom aren't going to fast while he's here. I mean, literally, the king of the universe was wearing flesh, and they were with him every day for three years, hanging with the king of kings. He's like, they're not going to fast while I'm here. It's too great while I'm here. But one of these days, I'll be taken away, or the bridegroom will be taken away, and, and on that day, they will fast. It's going to happen. As a matter of fact, the Greek word for fasting, I can't pronounce it, but I can tell you, it's used 25 times in the New Testament. All of them in either the Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is really very much the written record of Jesus and his life and what he did while he was here. And then the other times are in the book of Acts. So I find it interesting that we read about fasting in the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. And then we read about fasting in the book of Acts, which is right after Jesus ascended to heaven, and he sent the Holy Spirit to the disciples. So even after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what? They still fasted. They spent time fasting, which leads to the question, why? Why did they fast? And, and why do we fast food? 
Not why do we fast food like stop at McDonald's. Why do we fast food? I mean, honestly, when you think about it, couldn't, have God, couldn't God have had us fast anything? I mean, he, he's the king. He could have led us to fast anything, but he led us to fast food. Why did he do that? There's got to be a reason for that. Now, how many of you grew up in a home where your parents declared a fast every once in a while? Anybody live in, go up in that kind of a home? In, in our house, mama did. My dad would never declare a fast, ever. Um, he's in heaven. He still would never declare a fast. My mom would declare. And you would come home every once in a while, and you would see the TV had been unplugged. It was turned around facing the wall, and a blanket was over it. And you're like, oh, God, no. No. You walk upstairs like, hey, mom, what's going on? We are fasting television. I'm like, oh, not again, not again. It's playoff season. Why now, right? And I get it. I get the quieting yourself, disconnecting from the other noises. I, have you ever seen friends declare like Facebook fasts? Don't you love that? I can't take it anymore. I'm fasting Facebook. I'm like, ooh, what's suffering? You know what I mean? Is that really going to be that difficult? I'll, out, I'll be gone for a month. Out. And they sign off, and then I see people comment on it. Have a good time while you're away. And then eventually they reply to the comment. I'm like, I thought you were fasting Facebook. Well, after this status, I am fasting Facebook. Okay? I, I just want to share something with you. I don't know if I have biblical proof, but I believe that I can speak as a man that tries to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. They didn't fast Facebook in the Gospels. I don't, re- I don't recall them having a TV fast one time. One time. They didn't fast, uh, they didn't fast using the van to travel from Bethany to, to Galilee to Cappadocia. They, they fasted food. And there's a reason that they fasted food, and we're going to kind of dig into what those reasons are. So here's the think about it. God could have led his people to fast anything. There must be reasons that he directed them to fast food. So before you get mad at me because you were already planning on spending your gift certificate that you got for Christmas at Bandanas this afternoon, at least let's at least look at that and go, okay, if he had him fast food, why? And let's see if we can identify what good that's going to do, not just for our religious lifestyle and our spiritual disciplines, but for encounter and for his presence and for what he desires for us. By doing that, we're going to start by saying what fasting is not. Let's talk about what fasting is not. One thing that I want want you to know as I lead into it, there's no scripture that tells you exactly how long a fast has to be. There are times that you you read about a 40-day fast. Moses did one of those. Moses actually did it twice. Jesus did a 40-day fast. You read about others that do 40-day fast. There's some 21-day fast. Our church has, the last six years in a row, done 21-day fasts in January. Aren't we crazy for fasting that long when it's so cold outside, right? 21-day fast. Um, There are times in scriptures you'll read about three-day fast. You'll read about people fasting just for the day, that they felt like they were supposed to fast that day, and they ate when the sun went down. I'm all for that kind of a fast. Especially if it's a day that I have off and I can sleep in till like noon, maybe noon 30. Honey, what are you going to do on Monday? You know what? I'm going to fast. I'm going to sleep till noon. Sun goes down at five. I think I can make it. By 5.15, God, bring me the ribs. Thank you, Lord. Receive my sacrifice, right? So fasting, it's not like there's a time it has to be. We've done 21-day fast the last several years, but I really felt compelled of the Spirit, and 
We talked about it in board meeting. We talked about it with our staff leadership. We felt like we were supposed to do a seven-day fast to start this year. How many are already feeling better? You got two weeks back to your life. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. But we also felt like we were supposed to ask those of you that were willing to join us to do a full fast where we just do liquids rather than a Daniel fast or only eating one meal a day, saying, how many of you will join us with a full liquid fast for a week? Now, when you read in the scriptures, you'll read sometimes they fasted food and water. Sometimes they fasted all food. Sometimes they fasted choice food. I I guess choice food would be defined as the one that you really want. If you had to grab something out of the pantry, this is what I choose. This is my choice food. It'd be the rich food. It'd be the steak, right? The steak and potatoes and some gravy. Come on. How many know that gravy's good on a liquid fast if you just blend it up fast enough, right? Give me some great, thank you, Lord, right? So it's the choice foods. For me, that would be nutter butters, okay? Nutter butters. How many know that with God and nutter butters, you can face just about anything? Um, Nutter butters, Australian licorice, sugar fire, Chipotle with extra guac. Come on, can I get a hallelujah in the house today? We could have revival if you guys will just follow me and just go, okay? How many like how many like Caldi's coffee? Have you ever had the Mayan mocha? That'll change your life. Matt Mitchell introduced me to the Mayan mocha. It's a mocha with a little bit of cayenne pepper in it. It brings a tear to your eye. I, the Holy Spirit spoke to me one time while I was drinking a Mayan mocha. I mean, it's it's a powerful time. Red Robin. I mean, God's blessed us, folks. He's blessed us. So when I think about choice food, I think Brad's not going to Red Robin this week. And there's not a Mayan mocha. And there's not Australian licorice. How many of you had Australian licorice? Go by Quick Trip, not this week, but go by Quick Trip. They've got little four ounce packages, 99 cents. It's so sweet, it makes your teeth ache when you chew it. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's good, but not this week, okay? I mean, choice foods are good. But you see what I'm doing here? How many of you talk about food? How many think about food? How many enjoy food? How many, when you, when you leave your in-law's house on Christmas after a meal, you're trying to make sure you get to the next house in time to eat? How many know what I'm talking about? You're thinking, oh, we got to, if I can just digest enough, I can squeeze a little bit more in. Have you ever met some of those people that say, hey, when you come to my house, you better come hungry? Have you ever met people like that? My brother-in-law married an Italian girl. And so when he got married, they hosted the big reception, the rehearsal dinner over at, at the grandma's house. And he said, hey, Brad, you better go there hungry. He says, she will stuff you solid with food. And I, I could not imagine how much food. It wasn't like where you could get what you wanted. She filled the plates and handed it to you, and she watched you eat. <laughs> now, this is delicious. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that I came hungry. And by the time you got done with that plate, she'll set the second plate in front of you. Like, Grandma Linda, God bless you. I just don't know if I can do it. You're going to love my mastacholi. Yes, I am going to love your mastacholi. And you got done with the second plate, and while you're saying, God, help me, she goes, appetizers are done. On to the main course. Wow. Better come hungry. Okay? Fasting is about coming hungry. Hungry for his presence, hungry for an encounter with his spirit, and you're going to see why all this comes together here in the next 10 minutes, but let's start with what fasting is not. Number one, 
Fasting is not done to earn something from God. So if you struggle with religion, just go ahead and lay it aside. We don't do this to earn something from God. It's not like after Miriam's done with her fast that God's going to go, here, I have something for you, and it's going to have a card on it. Miriam, paid for your fasting services rendered. God. Okay? So it's not a payment. It's not like if we give up enough meals, we'll get enough blessing. I just, one more meal that I fast, and I know I'll get another drop of his glory, okay? You're not earning anything from him. Number two, fasting is not done to impress others with our degree of commitment. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 6 when he said, hey, when you're fasting, fix your hair, put oil on your face, anoint yourself, get your clothes clean, and go about your day like you're not fasting so that your father who's watching you fast receives what you're doing rather than everybody else going, oh, oh, they're fasting. I mean, have you ever done it? Have you ever battled that when somebody calls and they ask you out for lunch, but you're on a fast? And you're like, I'm fasting. I can't lie to them. I mean, wouldn't it be horrible to lie while you're fasting? I mean, we can lie any other time, but not while we're fasting, right? So, hey, you want to go out for lunch Thursday? No, no. How about next Thursday? I can't this week. Well, why not this Thursday? You're like, am I supposed to tell him? I don't want to lose that. You can say, hey, I'm on a fast this week. Can we do it next time? No big deal. Move on. That's completely different than somebody that says, hey, can you go out on Thursday? No, no. No, I'm fasting. I do it annually. Typically 21 days. And I go with a full fast. I'm a liquid fast person. I'm not like the compromised people in our church that eat nuts and berries. Not me. I'm fully in there. First 10 days are nothing but water, unfiltered water. I don't drink bottled water. I take it right from the tap. I don't care how many diseases are in there. I am, this fast is for Jesus. I'm sorry I even had to talk about it. Have you ever met somebody, they are so proud of their fasting? Have you ever met? Okay, no? Okay, all right, move on. Number three. Fasting is not done to tip the scales in God's favor so that he can accomplish his purpose. God's not up on the throne room of heaven going, if I could just have some people fast, I can win. God doesn't need us to fast to win. Can I remind you, he already won. Death's already been defeated. Jesus already ascended. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And Yeshua Christ is coming back for his people. Jesus is victorious. This isn't done so that God can win. If I could just get 12 people fasting in O'Fallon, I can get some breakthrough there. God doesn't need us to do this to win. God's already won. Number four, fasting is not done to help us drop a quick five pounds so that we feel better about ourselves. How many are like, I hope I lose some weight during the fast? And that's, that's okay. That's okay to hope that you lose some weight, but that's not why we're doing it. We're not doing it to drop weight. We're, do, we're doing it to have encounter with him. As a matter of fact, I don't want to fast to help me feel better about myself. Myself tends to be the problem. I'm crucifying myself. I'm saying more of you and less of me. You increase, I decrease. My body's the temple of you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, do what you want to do in me this week because I'm not going to be doing what I typically want to do in me this week. Fill me with more of you. Number five, fasting is not to scare our enemy because he knows that we're hungry. How many of you know there's some people in your life that if they're hungry, Katie, bar the door, you've got to get away? Have you ever met somebody that when they're hungry, the atmosphere of the room changes? Okay? I, I know people like that. I've lived with a, never mind. But I, I know people that when they're hungry, you really have to ask for God's covering. But I don't think that the enemy's going, oh no, they're getting hungry. Oh, because it's not about that. 
It's about something else that he's going to do in us through it. So here we go. Jesus fasted. Jesus, son of God, Jesus, God, Jesus, son of man, Jesus, king of kings, Jesus who put on flesh 2,000 years ago to come after his people, that Jesus who's always been Jesus, he's always been amazing, he's always been worthy, fasted. Jesus fasted. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Now, notice, you might recall James 1.13 says that when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So God doesn't tempt us. But it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit won't lead us into a moment where we will face temptation. So I'm going to pause on this for just a second. How many of you have ever been tempted to do something you shouldn't do? About 12 of us. Wow. How many of you are, you're, you're an angel and we didn't even know it? And you're not, okay, thank Skibos, of course, Skibo angels in the back. All right. So Jesus was led by the Spirit into the, to face a moment of temptation. I want to encourage you with something. If you've been in church for very long, you can feel like you've already blown it and you're already a loser just because you were tempted. Listen, being tempted isn't a sin. Being tempted means you're a human. Humans are tempted. We face it. It's yielding to the temptation that's the problem. If temptation was a sin, then Jesus already sinned because he was tempted by the devil. Oh, you were tempted. You're, you're, you've sinned. You don't cover me. No, he faced temptation. And he, not only is temptation an opportunity for failure, but temptation's an opportunity for victory. After all, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he'll also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it in Jesus' name. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, look at the revelation Matthew gives us. Do you see that? After 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, Jesus was? Shocker, right? He's hungry. I would think probably after two days, and then 10 and 15, maybe day 35. And it's in that moment when he's really hungry that the enemy comes to him and says, hey, if you're the son of God, you could command stones to become bread, and I'm sure you're hungry, so why don't you go ahead, creator one that you are, and make these rocks bread. Go ahead and have yourself something to eat. And Jesus looks at him and says, you know what? Man doesn't live on bread alone. But he lives on every word that comes from the Father, from the mouth of the Father. As a matter of fact, when Jesus said that, he was quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. When Moses was reminding them how they had survived in the wilderness. Remember when they had manna every day on the ground that was provided for them? Deuteronomy 8, 3 says that Moses said, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with what? Manna, which means what? What is it? Right? In the original Hebrew, what is it? He fed him with, what is it, with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Do you know how they ate manna in the wilderness? It's manna. It's the breath of God. It's the word of God. At night, God would speak over his people, provision, provision. And from his mouth, provision would settle as this bread-like substance that they would grab and they would eat it and they literally fed on the word of God. How do you not starve in the wilderness? You feed on the word of God. How did Jesus not starve while he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights? He was feeding on the word. What an image because Jesus is what? 
the word and the bread of life. So the word of life and the bread of life himself was feeding on the word of life. He was feeding himself in the scriptures. Listen, don't fast for seven days just to see if you can do it without spending any time in the scriptures. Because you'll get cranky, you'll get aggravated, you'll give in to temptation. But if you'll take this time, rather than feeding on food and feeding on the word of God more, you'll find that physical weakness accompanied with spiritual strength is an amazing combination. Let me remind you of something that you guys know. We talked about it a lot during Christmas season. Jesus has always been Jesus, but 2,000 years ago was the first time that he put himself in a body. He put himself in flesh, right? He'd always been with the Father and the Son, but 2,000 years ago, he put skin on. That's why he was born of a virgin. No man created him. He put skin on, and he was learning that, son of God, son of man. You know one thing that Jesus had to learn? Jesus had to learn to do the miracles and to operate in the signs and the wonders, not out of his Jesusness, but through the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting to me that after he spent 40 days and nights fasting, and after the enemy tempted him on three separate occasions, and Jesus never failed, after that we read, then he went back toward the city in the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't read about him having the power of the Holy Spirit until after the fast. It's as though that fasting was a part of the learning experience for Jesus to learn to operate in the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and do everything that he did by the power of the Spirit. Why would he do that? So that we too can do everything that we do through the power of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus did what he did through the Holy Spirit and not through himself, but by the power of the Spirit, then so can Chris Watson. So can Brad Riley. How many of you know if I say, I can't heal anyone, I'm speaking the truth, but at the same time, if I say, because God's given me the authority, I can give healing, I'm speaking the truth. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And part of the challenge is learning how to release that because he lives right down here. Now, I think that's interesting when you consider that he lives right down here and we're talking about fasting because when you think about down here, you think about your belly. Think about it. God had never put on humanity before. He had to learn how to overcome the enemy and to release the spirit while in the flesh, and he learned it through a season of fasting. Will you guys give me like an extra seven minutes longer than normal today? Can you do it? Jean-Guy, you're our Canadian. I'm going to ask you. From the great north, are you willing to give me an extra seven minutes? Thank you. God bless the maple leaves. All right. So he's going to give me seven extra minutes, eh? All right. Sorry. I had to do it. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to throw this out there. I can't prove this, but I can throw it out there for you to think about. Here's what I can prove. After Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and after he overcame the temptation by the enemy, before he went back into the city under the power of the Holy Spirit, something happened. What happened after he was tempted by the enemy? Do you guys remember who came to visit him? Now, this was after Satan left. That's okay, Gordy, you weren't listening. It was... (laughs) All right. Angels. Angels. And it says that angels came and did what? That's right. They played rook. 
No. They came and they ministered to him. Now, here's where I'm going because it doesn't say how they ministered to him. It just says that they ministered to him. But I think it would be pretty, it would make a lot of sense for us to say that since Matthew said after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, that everything that goes along with fasting for 40 days was affecting his body. And there are nurses in this room right now, and there were doctors in this room in the first service, and they could speak to us about what 40 days of food does to our blood sugar, it does to our system, how weak we feel. How many, how many of you have ever fasted for three hours and you felt weak? Like, I can't make it another day. How long have you been fasting? I started this morning. Okay. I've had people say to me, and God bless them, Pastor Brad, I can't fast. And they always say it with that voice, too. Pastor Brad, I can't fast. I get headaches. No. Really? I get headaches. Really bad headaches. Right here on the sides. Shocker. Your body's made to have food. And we have too much because we live in the United States of America. Thank you, Saved by the Bell. <laughs> that was just perfect, wasn't it? An angel got his wings right when I said that. It's amazing how that happened. Okay. How I many of you young enough, you don't even know what that meant? That I just, okay. all right, they'll tell you later. It's cool. They'll tell you later. All right. Yes, you get a headache. You're not eating. I feel a little woozy. Of course you're going to feel a little woozy. Jesus, he got a headache. His blood sugar crashed. He didn't feel well. He felt bad enough that angels came to minister to him, which is a promise that they'll do the same for us. I'm declaring that they're in that emergency room right now. They do the same for us, okay? So, yeah, it, don't go, well, I did it until I got a headache. Listen, last year, the Lord led me to fast caffeine as part of my fast. Coffee is a, it's a dear part of my life. We have a very special relationship. I like a latte in the morning, mid-morning, noon, afternoon, evening, early evening, right before bed, three o'clock wake-up call. I believe in three or four solid pots of coffee daily to help you be everything that God's called you. We have a good relationship, okay? Yesterday, or like yesterday, it just seems like yesterday. Last year, the 21-day fast, he, I was on a full fast of liquids, and I'm getting ready to go, cool, I love it when I do a liquid fast, I can still have coffee, and the Holy Spirit said, not this year. And I said, once again, you're, you meant to hit the car behind me, God, that, you didn't mean to hit, he's like, I want you to fast coffee. I'm like, Lord, coffee? I'm telling you what, by the end of day two, I felt like somebody was beating my head in with a sledgehammer. It was horrible. It was awful. I felt pathetic. It's okay. He called me to fast. You're not going to feel great. Okay? It's just part of it. Are you encouraged this morning? <laughs> uh, think about it. If Jesus' body felt the impact of fasting, then our bodies are going to feel the impact of fasting. Okay? Now listen, if you've got a medical permission slip that gets you out of fasting that you can show Yahweh, if you can, I understand, if you, there are some, you're like, I can't do it because of this, I can only do this. 
then you know what? Do what you can only do with a clean conscience, okay? We're not going to condemn you. We had donuts this morning. On the first day of fasting, we made donuts available in the cafe. It's so hypocritical, right? I'm like, what on earth happened? And Beth said, I just want to see if they're going to be willing to stick to their commitment. It's her. She was just holding them out there in front of you, all right? Last thing for today is this. We fast to be filled. We fa- I'm having a good time today. Are you having a good time? I'm having a- okay, all right. How many of you are wishing I wasn't having such a good time and we'll just get done? Thank you, Christian. Okay, all right. We fast to be filled. Joel 2.12 says this. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. You know why they're weeping and mourning? Because they're fasting. That's right. You guys, you see how this works. So the Lord's like, come back to me. Come back to me with your full heart. Now, I said earlier, one of the things that we need to understand about fasting, there's a reason God had us choose food. Because it could have been anything. He could have said, I want you to begin a fast. Sleep outdoors. I mean, it could have been anything. But he said, no eating. And it's in this verse. You're like, well, Pastor Brad, I don't even see it. It says, even now, return with my full heart. My heart has nothing to do with my stomach. You're right. And that's how horrible English can be sometimes. The Greek word for heart is cardia. You ever heard of a cardiologist? Okay. That's, and when we think about heart and we think, we, kids say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. How many of you prayed the prayer to ask Jesus in your heart? Okay. And you say it right and he comes in and you're like, how small is Jesus? You remember wondering how small Jesus was and how many, was he bipolar? Because he was in a lot of different hearts. How many hearts can one Jesus be in? Okay, and we've got this image, and it's about time for Valentine's Day, and we love from the heart, we're from the West, and it's up here, and yet that's not what this says. In the Hebrew, it wasn't from the cardia. I can't pronounce the Hebrew word because you spit when you say it, and I don't want to do that to you guys, but it would be more like this. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your intestines, with all, you ready, your bowels with all your belly. How many of you were around when the Achy Breaky Heart song was out? How many of you remember Achy Breaky Heart? If you sang it in the Hebrew, it would be, oh, my bowels, my Achy Breaky Bowels. And wouldn't that be fun dancing around in a pair of cowboy boots? All right? So it leads to the question, how many of you have ever had a gut feeling? Have you ever been talking to somebody and in your gut you're going, They're not telling me the truth. They're smiling, they're looking me in the eye, and they're making a persuasive argument, but my gut says no. Hey, kids, teens, students, parents, moms do not have eyes in the back of their head. I've heard that my whole life. A mom, you know what your mom has? A gut. She just, she feels it. She knows. Holy Spirit's telling her. Right down here in her inner man. One of the reasons we fast food, are you ready? Because he lives here. This is the seat of your emotions. This is the core of who you are. This is where God moves in. And we're always filling this area with natural food. But there's times when the Lord says, not this time, return to me with all of your intestines. Hey, Don't eat sugar fire this week. 
eat my word. Return to me with all of, all of your inner man. Fast. Give up food into your belly and put more of me into your belly. So here's the call. It's simply this. Return to me with a wide open belly so that I can occupy your inner man. And if somebody said to you, I don't get fasting. Jesus is already in heaven. He's already won the victory. One thing that you can say to them is, yeah, but did you know that God's word says that from my own belly, rivers of living water flow. And sometimes that gets jammed up because I'm always putting other stuff in myself. And this week, I am filling myself with more of him so that he flows out of me the way that he desires to flow out of me. It's the same thing Jesus did. How many you know that Jesus is above you? Around you, before you, behind you, he's the greatest preposition there ever was. He's everywhere, but he's also in you. And because he's in you, he needs to flow out of you. And as we fast, we learn how to let him flow out of us all the more. Final challenge is this. Let's join together and empty our stomach of what it naturally desires and fill our inner man with what it supernaturally needs, the power of his Holy Spirit. That's why we're doing it. I want more of him flowing through me. I know that when I get a gut feeling, it's not just natural, it's supernatural. How many of you had the gut feeling right after you made the wrong decision? Anybody else? You ever done that one? You're like, yep, this is what we're going to do. And you say, do it. And then you're like, Ugh! I want the Ugh! before I say do it. I, I want the direction before the wrong decision takes place. So let's fast for breakthrough. Let's go for it. PB, I wasn't prepared. But hey, it's only 1239. Get started. We woke up this morning. Blake and I were walking out. I'm like, hey, we got eight hours down. Right? Let's do it. Let's, I mean, they were the easiest. We slept for six and a half of them. That's fantastic. If you're like, I don't know how long I can do it, just try. Just say, hey, I'll give it today. And then tomorrow, I'll give it another shot. Some of you, I know you're already, you're like, we're in. We're doing it. We're going for it. It's not about giving up the food. It's about what he's going to fill you with instead. Let's stand together. I'm going to bless you guys. Thanks for giving me the extra time because I wanted to share that with you. And next week, we're going to specific, specifically look at some of the breakthroughs that happen. You realize in fasting, sometimes God can deliver a nation. He can deliver a household. He can deliver a person. So next week, we're going to look at how some fasting will benefit an entire nation. And our nation <laughs> needs the benefit of us fasting. I think us fasting can help make America great again. I swear I've heard that somewhere. I, I don't, it just kind of jumped out at me. So, are you good? You love Jesus? Does he love you? Lord, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your sons and daughters. I thank you for the beautiful things that you're doing in our lives. And we're all facing different stuff. Not one person in here is in here with everything perfectly lined up. We're all facing different stuff, and you are just so good to us, and I thank you for that. I thank you for the generosity of this church. We, we just found out we're celebrating. This church gave around $130,000 last year alone to feeding the hungry, taking care of orphans and widows, helping spread the gospel. I, it's just amazing, Lord. We're just so, I just thank you for their generosity. 
And even as they're giving today in the offering, I just pray that it would be sown with a generous heart and that you would multiply it to do things that blow our minds. Just multiply it to blow our minds, God. And I pray also that you'll bless them. I pray that every household will be blessed. I ask that increase would come upon your people. I ask for promotions. I ask for new innovations and entrepreneurship to jump out of different people in this house, new businesses, new opportunities, new advancement. Just bless them abundantly so that when people look at them, they go, how are these people so blessed that they can declare, man, God just keeps shining on me and smiling on me. So bless them, Lord. I speak divine health over all of us, over our sons and daughters, our grandchildren, over all of us. I pray that we will walk in healing and experience the grace of the Lord. And now, church, may God himself bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.